Good morning once again. If you have your Bibles with you, please open with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. Today, looking at verses 1 through 17. As James mentioned, Galatians 4 4, in the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. Today, we're going to look at that fullness of time. What happened? in that fullness of time, so that God could bring forth his son. That's what we're going to read about today and study today. If you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy word. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Abinadab, and Abinadab the father of Nishan, and Nishan the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. And Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah. And Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shiltiel, and Shiltiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Eliud, Eliad the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation of Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Pray with me, please. Lord, we come to this genealogy, this portion of your word. We recognize that it is part of the very word of the living God. It's what you intended to communicate to us, Lord. And Lord, this day we pray your blessings upon it. Oh God, I pray that you would open our ears and our minds and our hearts to receive the things of God. Remove every distraction from this place, we ask. And Father, may we worship you through the preaching of the word. May we see the God of redemptive history, how you've worked through time to bring us about, bring about the greatest gift we could ever be given. 
in Jesus Christ. If there's one lost here today, may they be found by you, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Friends, please be seated. I can vividly remember almost 30 years ago being a young teenager, being challenged by my new youth pastor at my church to read and study the Word of God. God was working in my heart during that time of my life, and Mike, my new youth pastor, challenged me to read and to memorize the Scriptures. So I remember deciding as a, as a young 13, 14-year-old, I'm going to read the New Testament. I'm just going to take that on, read the New Testament myself. So where do I begin? With the text we read this morning, Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. And as I battled and grinded through that passage, trying to say this name or that name, in my heart and in my mind, I was getting a little frustrated. In fact, I was saying to the Lord, Lord, why in the world do I need to read a passage like this? I can't even pronounce some of these names. What does it even matter? Lord, just tell me what I need to know about Jesus, and let's stop reading this other genealogy type of, type of stuff. And as I look back on my mentality, some 30 years ago, you know, I, I remember, I guess, what we call an arrogant and an ignorant young man, one, he, one who thought he knew everything, one who thought he could just tell God how to write his own word. And now that I'm removed from that 30 years, not only did the Lord have to humble me about my view of his word, but he actually taught me. Hey, Adam, this whole genealogy, it's all about Jesus. Don't miss Jesus just by reading a list of names. There's a point, there's a, there's a climax that God is actually moving towards something. And that something is Jesus. Friends, it's easy to dodge a passage like this and not work through it. But I want you to know that this passage teaches us that God is not just the God of history. He's the God of redemptive history. That in the pages of the Old Testament, God is working out a plan. He uses different people, different nations, and different events to do that. But over time, God is bringing history to a climax by sending his own son into this world to give us salvation and redemption from our own sins. As mentioned several times this morning, our theme for Advent is what? Christmas in the Old Testament. We're going to put a slide on the screen just to review where we've been. We've been focusing on Luke 24, 44. And in that one verse, Jesus himself says that the whole Old Testament, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms are all about him. We see it, the Torah, the Nevim, the Ketuvim. And if you take the first letter of those words and put the letter A in between them, you have the word Tanakh, which is the Jewish Bible. And Jesus says in Luke 24, 44, that all three parts are about him. As we've already mentioned this morning, we'll repeat, on December the 1st, 
Pastor Darrell preached to us the Lord Jesus Christ from the law of Moses. On December the 8th, I strive to preach Christ from the Psalms. Last week, our brother Hunter preached Christ to us from one of the prophets, Isaiah. Well, today, friends, we come to a New Testament passage. But notice with me that this New Testament passage is full of Old Testament names. And God uses Matthew and he starts with Abraham and continues to explain God's redemptive plan. He goes through the ages, one after one after one. He teaches us God's great redemptive plan has come through a a series of people and has had a climax in the coming of Christ, the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, friends, we want to look at just part of that history of redemption. If you have your bulletin with you, I invite you to look on the back of your bulletin. Three major major points to our sermon today. The first one mentioned a couple times already in our service today, the two covenant heads of Abraham and David. Secondly, we're going to talk about the four women, the four ladies who were mentioned in this genealogy. And then finally, I want you to see the one person, the climax, Jesus Christ himself. But let's look back at verse 1. And let's talk about the two covenant heads. This is what verse 1 says. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. A few moments ago, Pastor Darrell read to us the beginning of God's covenant promises to Abraham from Genesis chapter 12. And God told Abraham, leave your home, head to the land that I show you, and here's what's going to happen. All the peoples of the earth, they're going to be blessed through you and your seed, Abraham. So Abraham did what the Lord commanded him to do. But after a while, Abraham began to question the Lord. And one day he said, Lord, how can I be blessed And how can my family be a blessing to all people if I don't have a son? So God said, Abraham, come outside with me. I want to show you something. Look up into the stars of the sky. You see all the many stars that are in the expanse of the sky. So will your offspring be. That was God's promise to Abraham that night. And after a while, Abraham and Sarah continued to live, yet they didn't have a son. So they decided on their own, we're going to solve this problem together. We know what happened. Abraham went into an inappropriate relationship with Hagar, and they had Ishmael. But God told them, that's not the son. That's not the son of the promise. I promise to give you a son between you and Sarah. That's not the son. Sarah learned she was going to have a child. She laughed. That was hilarious to her. She was too old to have a son. But what did God do? God was faithful to his covenant promise. And friends, the Bible teaches us that he gave them 
Isaac. And in Genesis chapter 21, God says, yes, this promise is starting to be fulfilled. It's through Isaac that your offspring and all the world will continue to be blessed. And you see it here in the genealogy, Abraham to Isaac. And down that line, he continues to work out his plan of redemption being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We're going to put a couple New Testament verses up on the screen. I want you to take a look at these. This is the book of Galatians. It's chapter 3 and verse 8. What does the New Testament have to say about the story of Abraham? Look at it in chapter 3, verse 8. And the scripture, seeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. And then jump to verse 16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say unto offsprings referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring who is Christ. Friends, how will all nations, will all peoples be blessed through Abraham? Well, it starts with Abraham and then it goes to Isaac. And then from Isaac to Jacob, and then from Jacob to Judah, and on and on and on, so that you get to this promised seed of Abraham, who is Jesus Christ. So I want you to see the amazing plan of redemptive history that God has for you and for me, starting thousands of years ago, even before the time Christ came to earth, God had a plan, and he was continuing to move through history towards that plan so that all nations will be blessed through Christ. But secondly, the Bible says he's the son of David. Abraham starts the genealogy, it keeps going, and then you get to King David. Pastor Darrell read another promise from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 16 and 17. God sent Nathan the prophet to talk to David, and this is basically what Nathan said to David. Nathan said to David, God says, your house, David, your kingdom will be established forever. Your throne will be established for all time. It will never, ever end. Think about hearing a promise like that. My kingdom, my house, my throne, it will be established forever. What do we know about David, Solomon, Rehoboam that came after David? Their kingship started. But then it ended. David died. Solomon started his kingship. But it ended. He died. Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, started his kingship. But he died. And on and on and on, you you have these kings starting, yet they they died. How in the world is this going to continue forever when the king dies? This is the book of Luke, chapter 1. We'll put the verses on the screen, verses 29 through 33. See Christ, dear friends, see Christ. Speaking of Mary, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. 
And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And listen closely. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. You see, friends, when Nathan was telling David back in 2 Samuel 7 about a king who would sit on the throne, whose kingdom would never end, he wasn't talking about David. He wasn't talking about Solomon. He wasn't talking about Rehoboam. The New Testament reaches back into the Old Testament and says, let me tell you who it was talking about. It was talking about Christ, King Jesus, the one born of the Virgin Mary, for he will be the king who will last forever. His dominion will never, ever end. So what can you and I learn from this? What can we take away here in 2019? I want you to know, first of all, as we look back at Abraham, as we look back at David, this teaches us God is faithful. If he makes a promise, he's going to keep it. God promised Abraham a son through Sarah. Abraham doubted that. He had a relationship with another woman. They had Ishmael, but he wasn't the son. But God was still faithful to that original promise. He gave him Isaac. And through Isaac we have coming the Lord Jesus Christ. The king that David was promised through his line, that God promised him, God faithfully fulfilled that promise when he sent Jesus through the line of David. One commentator said it this way, Jesus was the son of Abraham by racial descent. Jesus was the son of David by royal descent. And friends, I want you to know that God, the same way he was faithful to Abraham and David, he will be faithful to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says that every promise that God has to us in Christ is yes. He is forever faithful his word is the most trustworthy gift that you and i can ever have it is far more trustworthy than the way we feel on a day-to-day basis isn't it the lord is faithful the grass withers the flowers fall but god's word it stands forever the book of james has taught us that things change in this life there's shifting shadows everywhere but god unlike those shifting shadows is immutable he's unchangeable he is faithful all the time but it also teaches us something else god is gracious god is gracious we got to remember that both abraham and david they were broken fallen sinful men we know that abraham was once a pagan man We know that he lied twice about his identity, the identity of his wife. We know that he tried to do God's work by himself by having a relationship with Hagar. And David? David committed adultery. David committed murder. The Bible says at times he was a terrible father. He didn't discipline his son. 
But God chose to deal with both men graciously. God still used the broken person. In fact, God used broken people to send his only begotten son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and he sent Christ to come into this world to do what Abraham couldn't do. Jesus did what David couldn't do. Jesus was faithful. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God used broken people to give us the greatest gift we could ever have, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's said of Christ, he is greater than Abraham. He is greater than David. But secondly today, I want you to notice in this genealogy the four women, the four ladies mentioned in this text today, friends. You know, when you do a study on Near Eastern genealogies, we find that it's rare, it's unusual to have a woman or women listed in the genealogy. But right here in Matthew chapter 1, God chooses not to do it once, but four times. Actually, it's five. If we count Mary, it's five. But in that Old Testament genealogy, there's four specific Old Testament women who were mentioned in this text. Now, why would God do that? And who are these ladies? Let's talk about them one by one, shall we? The first lady, verse 3. Let's look at verse 3. And Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah by who? Tamar. Who is Tamar? We learn of Tamar first in Genesis chapter 38. The Bible describes Tamar as a Gentile, as a Canaanite woman. But she was the daughter-in-law of Judah. You see, Judah had three sons. And Tamar was the wife of the first two. She was the wife to Ur and Onan. And when one died, she was the wife to the other. And then the other died. And the Bible says that Judah was going to give his third son to Tamar since her two previous husbands had died. But he never lived up to that promise. He never did what he said he was going to do. So Tamar decided to take things into her own hands. She tricked her father-in-law into having an immoral relationship with her. And because of that, many people recognized Tamar to be an outcast. But I want you to know that God used Tamar. He used that relationship. You see, because of that relationship and the children that would come from her, Tamar's name is now mentioned in Matthew chapter 1 in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Secondly, Rahab. Verse 5. And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. Who is Rahab? We meet Rahab in the book of Joshua. She was an inhabitant of Jericho. She was also a Gentile, and like Tamar, she had a life of immorality. And to many in that day, she was also known as as an outcast. But she was the one who lied to the king's messengers about the Israelite spies, and she sent them out another way, says Joshua. And even through hearsay about our God, she became a believer. She had a saving faith in God. In fact, she's listed in the 
Hebrews chapter 11 and that hall of faith. And we know that this lady, this Gentile woman who had lived in prostitution became the wife of Salmon and she became King David's great, great grandmother. The third lady is Ruth. Also in verse 5. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. We remember Ruth that she was also a Gentile, a Moabite woman. And after her husband died, the Bible says she returned to Israel with her mother-in-law, Naomi. But the Bible says that through the grace of God, she too became a believer and she married Boaz. And as we know, Ruth became the great-grandmother of King David. And now we get to David because we come to a lady called Bathsheba. The Bible calls her in verse 6, the wife of of Uriah. We know that it was with Bathsheba that David committed adultery. Yet through David and Bathsheba we get Solomon who's mentioned in this text, the next king after David. And after Solomon we get Rehoboam and then on and on and on and where do we end up friends? With the Lord Jesus Christ in this genealogy four ladies tamar rahab ruth and bathsheba friends what can we learn from these four ladies first of all and again we're going to repeat it god is a god of grace many of these ladies are known for what they did wrong But this text shows us that God uses broken people to work out his redemptive historical plan. Think about that. Jesus said in Luke chapter 5, I've not come to call the righteous. I've come to call the sinners to repentance. And by the way, this is not to pick on these four ladies because we can also look at Abraham and David. But this is also to say... Every one of us is fallen and broken before God. We have sinned in his sight. We need God to deal graciously with us as he did all these people in this Old Testament line. So friends, maybe you're here today and you're like Tamar. You've made some terrible decisions in your life. Maybe you're like Rahab. Maybe you've been involved in prostitution. Maybe you're like Bathsheba and you're fine that you're carrying a baby that doesn't belong to your husband. Maybe you're like Abraham and you're a liar and you're an adulterer. Maybe you're like David and you're an adulterer and a murderer. You see, only a God of grace can deal with a situation like that. And God uses these broken people through time. To bring us who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Because when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. And friends, Christ came to do what all those people couldn't do. He came for the, for the broken Tamars and, and Rahabs and Bathshebas and Abrahams and Davids of the world. 
Christ came to love these people to the uttermost and to die for their sins. And he's also done the same thing for you and for me. Don't ever think your sin is too great that God can't forgive it. If he's forgiven these folks and even used these folks to bring about his son, God can forgive you. And think about this. Not only is God gracious, but he's gracious to the whole world. Some might say, I'm not part of this inner circle of being a church member. God doesn't love me. God can't forgive me. I want, did you hear what God did for these ladies? These weren't Jewish ladies. These were Gentile ladies. These were Canaanites. These were Moabites. These were people outside the camp. And God brought them in and redeemed these people by his grace. So I want you to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ, it stretches through our whole world. Not just North America, but South America, Europe, Asia, everywhere. Because the gospel doesn't have racial boundaries. The gospel doesn't have social economical boundaries. Those man-made things, they come, they come, they're torn down because of the blood of Christ. And by the way, that's the only thing that can tear them down. That Christ loved us all. He loved the whole world. Remember John 3:16, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever will may come to him. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. He's a gracious God. And finally, friends, this leads us to our last point. The one man, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Let's start in the Garden of Eden and let's walk through the history of redemption. The Lord God created Adam and Eve in the garden. Created all things in the space of six days and all was very good. Created man and woman in his image. Gave them one rule and they broke it. Eve was tempted. She ate of the fruit. She gave some to her husband Adam. He ate of the fruit and what happened? They hid from God. God approached them and one of them started blaming the other. The woman you gave me. The serpent beguiled me. Excuse after excuse. They were both responsible. And this is what God says. We'll put the verse on the screen. This is Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. God speaks to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman. Between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Think about this. As soon as Adam and Eve messed up. As soon as they messed up, God gave them a covenant promise that one day the seed of the woman will come and crush the head of the serpent. The serpent will strike his heel. Satan thought he had Christ when he was on the cross, but it was like a strike on the heel. But ultimately, the seed of woman would come and what? Crush the head of that serpent. 
the head being crushed takes the life away. It's a defeating blow. And you move from Adam to Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. God says, Abraham, leave your homeland because through you and your seed, all nations will be blessed. God was faithful. He gave them Isaac, who gave them Jacob. And on and on and on, you get to the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all nations will be blessed. You get to Moses. God gave Moses the priesthood, the sacrificial system, the tabernacle. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God teaches us, He is our high priest. He's the one who represents us before God. And as the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and drip the blood of bulls and goats on the top of the ark, Jesus says that's not sufficient. And he says, I as your high priest will not bring the blood of bulls and goats, but I will cast myself on the top of the ark for you because I'm the Lamb of God. My blood will be shed for you. You get to David. David was a shepherd warrior king. He tended his sheep. He fought for his people. And he reigned in Israel. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the good shepherd, the divine warrior, the one who fights for you. And he's the king of kings. You get to the prophets. As Hunter taught us last week, Christ is the one born of the Virgin Mary from Isaiah chapter 7. Christ from Isaiah 9 is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And Christ from Isaiah 53 is that suffering servant, the one who was brought like a lamb to the slaughter, the one who opened not his mouth. And with his stripes, we are healed. You get to John the Baptist, who is the last Old Testament prophet. You could say he was an Old Testament prophet caught in a New Testament reality. Because when he saw Jesus, what did he say? Behold, right there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you have these New Testament authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul writing to us. And then John the Revelator, in, his, in the last book of the Bible, he says, this same Jesus, who came once and ascended into heaven, guess what? He's coming back. Yes, indeed, come Lord Jesus. The last verse of the Bible, friends, from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation Christ is preached and proclaimed to us here today. Friends, that genealogy, those first 17 verses, it's there for a reason. Don't overlook it. Don't overlook, don't make the same mistake I made when I was 13, saying, Lord, why did you put this in here? This, these names are too hard to say. Study it, look at it, and see that God has had, he's had his hand in history from beginning to end. And guess what? It's not over yet. Because Christ is coming back. He's coming back. And he will make all things new. So what can you take away from this text today? Friends, I hope you take away that God is faithful. He was faithful to Abraham. He was faithful to David. He will be faithful to us. I hope you take away that God deals with us graciously. 
as he did with many of the ladies in that text today. Ladies who weren't even in the boundaries of Israel. They came from outside, but God used them. God died for them. And that God calls people from all over the world to come to him. Jesus came not to call the righteous, but the unrighteous, the sinner to repentance. Friend, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, this Christmas week, I pray that you come to know him. I pray that you hear the gospel, what Christ has done for you, and that you would trust him as Lord and Savior. We pray that for you. And for believers here today, I pray that you can see God's amazing plan laid out in time that he, that he put in place for you and me, that he was faithful and gracious in that plan and that he continues to be faithful and gracious to us even today. And let us respond in worship. Pray with me, please.